podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This show is brought to you in association with Labbooks. Just click the link on the description to the show, sign up and get a free bet up to £50 when you enter the promo code LAD50. Go on, do it. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. And I am so excited tonight, so excited, because not only have we got the very talented, the very young Joe Doherty. Are we still doing this young thing? I'm 18 now. Yeah, you're young, Joe. All right. But it is great to have you back. Uh, But actually, probably more importantly than that, back on the Man City Show, after months away, far too long, we've got Ian Tussie. Tuss, welcome back to the show. Hello, hello. We've rebranded at last. We are the Man City Show. We've Actually, it shows how long you've been on. We are the Man City Show and have been the Man City Show for quite a long time, Tuss. But it's great to have you back on. Uh, what, what happened with the old name, then? With some of you not... Oh, well, you're, 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 so, you're so last year, Tuss, to be honest. He moved to Doha. Modern city, isn't it? Just ditching all the old heroes. <laughs> Typical. <laughs> but, you know, last time we were on Tuss, Crisis Club... Last time we sat in this studio, Crisis Club, we'd lost two on the bounce, and suddenly we're sitting here now talking about a European win, and just smacked six past the mighty Newcastle. So, you know, from Crisis Club to back on top of the league. But, but before we get on to those particular games, it, it's been a bit of a topsy-turvy season, but you must be happy there. Yeah, of course. I mean, I, I, I just think there's just too many people. I mean, I say this, it's very hypocritical for us, this, but too many people given a voice now and allowed to talk about football in a public space like Twitter. And you just get the biggest bunch of idiots giving commentary throughout the season. And to be honest, most of the stuff they say is nonsense. So we're very good. We were very good a week ago, even though we lost. We were very good a week before that, even though we lost again. Yes, our performances weren't brilliant, but we're easily, by far, the best team in the country. Sorry, just, no just to be clear, are you saying we were very good against Tottenham? Is that no, no, no. We were still a very good football team, even when we lost to Spurs. And we were still a very good team when we lost to West Ham. Ah. It's just mm. we had a couple of bad performances. OK, I, just to be clear. Uh, Joe, let's yeah. should we start with the European game, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Yep. And uh, not a great start. No, but you know what? We've said it time and time again that it's those sort of games. If you come out them with three points, while you're not exactly thrilled with the performance, you've got to be pleased with the result. And I am so pleased that we managed to come out of that with a win. Because after Juve, when we played really well and we were really unlucky to lose that game, you think, oh God, how's it going to go tonight? You know, you're really relying on your goalkeeper to beat a team that really none of their players would get anywhere near our first 11. But we hung on, we hung on, our keeper played well, we made a couple of good substitutions with two much maligned players coming on, i.e. Fernando and Navas, and came away with the three points. And I think the way we played in the last 30 minutes, we deserved it. Just going back to uh, our keeper, uh, Tuss, (laughs) that's why he's England's number one. I mean, Joe was outstanding, wasn't he? Yeah, he's very good, but for me, it's more of a it's more of a claim to fame being City's number one and England's number one. In, in all due respect, it really annoys me when they announce this number one, England's number one, Joe Hart. Well, he's not Scottish, is he? Huh? He's not Scottish. Well, no, but it's, you don't go. 
you wouldn't you know you don't you don't have to say number I'm just saying it's more of a it's more of an achievement in being City's number one he was superb against um, Gladbach and I actually think he's just so underrated in this country and he had a few mistakes in him a couple of years ago but he's such a brilliant keeper um, his kicking seems to improve and Joe's points as well about the manager again because we've got a manager who doesn't seek praise all the time his substitutions went unnoticed but actually Navas was a great change at, a right, at the right time and obviously Fernando was forced upon him but it, it didn't actually strengthen us a little bit defensively but again because he's not going after the match in a Rodgers or Mourinho style saying my changes made the difference no one really gives him the credit he deserves but I thought he got it, he got it spot on um, Pellegrini I think going back to Navas as I've been saying a lot recently is that we need Navas, he's more effective when he comes off the bench because when players are tiring late on, someone with a, someone whose primary asset and pretty much more or less his only asset is his pace is a really useful player to have. But if you start with him, someone who's, as long as you can keep up with him, is quite easy to defend against. He's quite ineffective. So I'm pretty pleased we've been using him the way we have and it's showing. He's, he's been yeah. really good since he's come on the last couple I, of games. Totally agree and I think in his first season he actually was quite more effective as a sub or impact sub. I think his role in the squad should be more like what Milner's used to be. Play him in the big games because he's, he's defensively strong and he'll work hard. But actually it's better to keep him on the bench. Or if not him then Sterling because I, I think having them both start means that we haven't got pace on the bench or, or, or effective pace. But having one of them coming on against tiring teams, I think they're both extremely good assets I think Navas has a really strong start to the season apart from a couple of bad games he's been good he was very very good in the first two or three weeks as well but I, I have to you've not been on for a few weeks as we know Tuss but I, I have this issue with people talking about the quality Navas has defensively we didn't talk you know talking about the old days then and you know dropping all our stars we didn't talk about Peter Barnes being great defensively all these wingers and Mike Summerby great defensive these are guys who were attacked he couldn't cross a road as your old mate Stephen he always said the other week Navas why, is it, why are we going on about how defensively well, is I mean, brilliant? For, for, for me, what football is almost a different sport now than it used to be. Um, at the pace it's played. I mean, even from 10, 15 years ago, the game has gone up like 20, 30% in speed. So I don't think what, what was the rule in the 70s and 80s means it should still be the case. I think Navas' crossing isn't great, but I think part of it is because he's told to play a certain way. We don't swing crosses in from deep because we just don't have the players to do it for. Navas is almost told, get to the byline and pick a person out by, you know, put it, almost put it on someone's toe, which isn't a particularly easy thing to do. I think he's actually not that bad a crosser, but if he, you know, against the likes of West Ham where they have 55 people in the box, it wasn't particularly easy for him to find someone. But I, I think he gets a bit of unfair, unfair criticism. He probably should score more yeah. or score full stop, but he's a good, you know, he'd, he'd get into 18 other squads in the Premier League easily and be an asset for them all because he's got something you know, electric about him. Uh, we, we talked obviously about Joe had a fantastic game and, and clearly we've got company out and I think we had Otamendi and Dimichelis as our sort of centre-backs for the, for the Munch and Gladbach game and certainly first half they we didn't exactly fill us with confidence, Joe. No, I was quite worried about that because I really thought if you had if you had to put Otamendi with a centre-back who we would hit the ground running with, I thought it'd be Demichelis, because A, I'm sure they've played together for Argentina, and B, Demichelis is such a calm, composed character that of all, I think even more than company, he makes the centre-backs he plays with look good. He made Manga look, look good, he made Javi Garcia look good, he even made Boyata look half-decent. So I think that... Um, 
I think that it was going. I thought it would be like a you know more comfortable game, but they really didn't look good together. And I think the problem is is they're both too similar. They're both ball players. I think Otamendi's got a bit more pace, but they're both ball players. They're both vocal, and I think they got in each other's way a bit. Ian, you got a view? Yeah, I think most of the problems came down our left. I think I think Carlos had a great start to the season, but our fullbacks are probably physically the most demanding position on the team because they've got to be two positions left wing or right wing and right back or left back so it's, it's inc- it must look incredibly incredibly hard position to play and Collo has had to play 90 minutes in every week so far so it looked like he was just tired he looked rubbish against Spurs half, half an hour in um, he looked really really poor and likewise in Gladbach and I think it just looked like they targeted him and he was just not on the, on the game I sort of agree on Demichelis and, and Otamendi I think Otamendi's good player but he's a bit rash at the moment a bit like Zabaleta was when he first signed a bit rash very eager to win the ball back quickly and Demichelis likewise a bit ring rusty I think we've looked much much stronger with Mangala whoever Mangala plays with we've looked stronger with him there's a lot of negativity about him but I think at the moment he's been our strongest player at the back four he's been consistently good but Bobby doesn't get the credit he deserves. And obviously played against Newcastle with, uh, with Otamendi. We'll come on to that, I guess. So, so let's talk about the, the equaliser, because I think they're still talking about it somewhere. Uh, so Dimicelli's got across the line, and ten minutes later, it was, was it an own goal, or was it uh, Otamendi who scored it? You were telling me before, Joe, that it's actually gone down as a Dimicelli's goal. Yeah, it has, and I don't, I don't really like that. I think the dubious goals panel in UEFA have given it as an Otamendi, as a, sorry, as a Dimicelli's goal. And I don't think that's right, because if, that, if you can do that, then why can't you do it with, well, it's an obvious answer, but why can't you do it with goals that cross the line and aren't given in Europe? I mean, so, so John Terry scored in the World Cup for England then, didn't Frank he? Frank Lampard. That's him. How can you, sorry, how can you get City's biggest legend mixed up with that scumbag? Um, no, uh, yeah, I mean, for one, I, th- I don't see why UEFA don't have goal line technology because it's worked perfectly fine in the Premier League and in the World Cup. And I also don't get the point of that fifth official because how he didn't see that had gone in because I actually thought the fifth officials had a good game in Munch and Gladbach because they gave the penalties and you know they. I think, I think the, the, the rumours are that the, the fifth official did, did was calling it had gone in and they've got recordings of because I think they record all of the the, um, the dialogue yeah between the refs and the uh, ref and the linesman etc and I think he was saying goal goal is crossed the line it's so why the did line, the ref not give it then I just don't know if they heard him it was, and then anyway the ball went in so it just game carried on but maybe maybe UEFA trying to get themselves out of a hole by saying that but yeah. well, I think who cares really and then the, 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 the 90th minute pen which uh, I guess on balance we, we deserve the victory at the end of the day we were brilliant after we went behind yeah. so you know we, we responded to being behind exactly how we hadn't done in the previous few months you know whereas our our heads have dropped at Spurs and other games we've, we've gone behind we really we just ratted them for half an hour, pressed them back, won the ball back quickly and we deserved that goal and I think we deserved a bit of, as my people would say, a bit of mazzle for once because it just hasn't really, you know, we'd had a difficult few weeks in, in certain games where things hadn't gone our way, Spurs with the decisions and West Ham just with a bit of luck and I think we deserved it to be fair. Totally agree and I think it's backs against the walls wins like that that can be a turning point. In a, like last season yeah. when we went on that really good run before Christmas it took a dodgy little win at home to Swansea before we went on that good run. You know, Last season it took a really 
you know, lacklustre two nil win against West Ham that we weren't very good in to put on put up that good run. And you know, maybe this season that's going to be another turning point. We'll go on another, hopefully, another long run of victories and you know make the gap a bit stronger at the top. Before we get onto the league, what's your view, Tuss, of our European campaign and our realistic chances? I mean, everybody else who's been on the show the last few weeks, we've asked predictions and so on. Last sixteens, you know, sort of semi finalists. Um, and so on, winners, somebody, some idiot said. Uh, what's your view? Have we got a realistic chance? How, how far can we really get this year? I think we'll get to the quarters or semis. I think, I don't look around Europe and see them being the, the, the it seems to be cyclical. It, it, the, what, Barcelona had to put so much into winning the treble last year that it doesn't look like they've got anything left. They've got injuries and they're struggling and Messi's out and they've got They've just not been playing brilliantly. Now, obviously, the season's got a long way to go, but I already don't think they'll re- they'll win it. Madrid will be hard to beat, but they don't look great. Um, Atletico, likewise, will be very hard to beat. Look pretty decent, but Bayern are by far away the best team in Europe. But who knows what will happen? It's just it, it will come down to form and fitness. But if you look around every squad in Europe, we've easily got the best squad. Well, sorry, one of the best three or four squads in Europe. So. On paper, we should be getting to the last four, but you just don't know. If we go through as runners-up and get by, and then we're probably going to go out. But if we get a decent enough draw in the next round, then we could just as easily sneak our way to the quarters or semis. So I think we've definitely got the quality to go quite far. It's just we get, again, that word mazzle and get our way through to the latter stages. Whatever that means, yeah. Joe. I certainly think that we've done of all the English teams so far. I think we've done the best. I think that Arsenal, Chelsea, and United have all looked really. Do- we, you know, all the English teams have lost a game. We were the only one that sort of lost a respectable game. You know, United lost in Eindhoven. Arsenal and Chelsea had a couple of hilarious results last week, and you know, our only defeat was a two-one home defeat to the finalists of last season, and we really gave them a game. So I think we've come out the be- looking the best of the English clubs, and yeah, I think. I think what we've really got to do is really hope Juventus drop a couple of points, maybe in Seville or something, just really go all out to try and win this group because I still think that's up for grabs. I don't think I don't think Juventus away is you know it's a nailed on Juve win that people seem to think. It no, is. I agree. I think having beaten Roma away last year, I think we can win in Juve. And I actually thought, speaking to people afterwards, Juve was probably our most complete home performance of any of our Champions League group games. We, we were good. We actually. For 70 minutes, it never looked like we weren't going to at least win the game, but with just two moments of real quality and a bit of defensive frailty that caught us, uh, that cost us, really. Mm. Well, listen, let's let's move on to the league, and, and we're back on the top league. I'm really not sure where to start, really. Newcastle at home. Um, Aguero, should we start there? Yeah, it's a shout. But it was like a switch when, when the first goal went in, or certainly as he came out for the second half, it was just... The second goal was a bit scruffy, but it was just as it, it was as if all of a sudden he's back to being the best strike on the planet. I mean, he started the season. I've been saying for a few weeks, and even before it become a bit more apparent that he wasn't playing that well, he was he was profligate against Chelsea, missed a few chances, and wasn't great against Everton. And, and but you know the thing with the thing with Aguero is he was getting chances and missing them, which is fine. You know, he's such a good finisher that eventually he'll get his shooting boots on, but. As soon as that second goal went in, you just felt this was—he was back. He's had that, you know, that spring in his step, and he was movement was good. And he was the, the third goal was just absolutely superb. I mean, to, to have a crucial point really, two-one up, through one-on-one, and to dink is just brilliant, really. And I think he's 
Because people, people were saying he wasn't fit, of course. That was the problem, you know, and, and that was the excuse, was he? He's not, he's not 100% fit, but bloody hell, he looked fit all right at the weekend. No one, no, he never looks fit because he walks like he's got, he's got a hamstring strain all the time because he's limping around. But in the last 12 months or so, apart from the knee injury against Everton and then he got the kick against Palace, he's actually been really fit. He's not had any muscle problems. By all accounts, he had a bit of a, a kick on Saturday and needed treatment, but actually... He looks fit and sharp. Now, I don't worry about him pulling pulling up anyone. He looks quick. It's just he's going through one of those spells where he just wasn't able. He just wasn't scoring. But actually, as I said, it, it's I'd be more worried if I was if he was Rooney, where he's not getting any chances because he's just not up to the speed of the game at the moment. Then I've been where he's been getting lots of chances but missing them. Well, I, in my paper, the Sunday Times, he got a ten out of ten, and I think you were saying, Joe, in yours, the Morning Star, he only got a nine. I think is that what you said. Yes, comrade. Uh, he got. I think he only got a seven. They all got. They always all get sevens in the Morning Star, though. Even the Newcastle players did. Sounds like you should get a new paper. Uh, De Bruyne's goal has sort of sort of paled into insignificance. I thought I'd, some are saying it was a fluke. I think. You know, I think that was quality quality strike, wasn't it? Over his over his shoulder volley. He said it was a fluke, so that's good enough for me. He didn't quite. I mean, it wasn't. A, yeah, he he didn't quite catch it as he probably wanted to. But it was an absolute. He was absolutely brilliant, De Bruyne. I'm, I'm really surprised at how good he is. He's such a good all round. He's got amazing touch. He's always got the ball out of his feet. Two footed, he shoots. I mean, Silver's probably the best player we've ever had, and it's the glue that knits everything together. And hopefully, over the next couple of years, De Bruyne takes that on from him, and it's the player that everything goes through because he's cap- he's definitely capable enough. But you know, he's seven or eight years younger than Silver, so he's got a long way to go. But the thing that I like about him most is that he shoots. And for so long, we've had Nasri and Silver, who are unbelievably good players, who probably are not willing enough to have a pop is he just wants he'll have a pop as much as he can and he's got two wonderful feet and his vision is amazing he was really, com- really he was compared earlier and you're too young Tuss but but somebody did compare him with the great Colin Bell and I know he's only played a handful of games but he is starting to look like a quality player isn't he yeah I can see where I haven't seen footage I can see a little bit of where they get that from I suppose he, he's got he's quite hot he's quite tall as well he's probably nearly six foot so he's deceptive a bit Got a, he's not sterling speed, but he's got a great turn of pace to get away from people. And he plays with his head up. And yeah. you know, he's, he's forward thinking, but he's a really, really top player. But obviously he's a Chelsea reject, so <laughs> he'll never be that good. I, I don't think there can be any higher praise for a player at City than you are going to be the one that steps into the David Silver role in a year or two. And I think, you know, we've had, like you say, we've had Nasri for a few years, but whenever Silva's been out we've put Nasri in apart from a good season in 13-14 where he really where he was really good and he did step into that role really well apart from that season I don't think we've ever had a season where we've thought oh well Silva's injured just put Nasri in he's just as good no we've never thought that whereas De Bruyne you almost while I think we've missed Silva in recent weeks he does make everything tick Um, I'd put that I'd put our defeats down to other things I didn't put it down to what I would have done for the last four or five years which was we didn't have silver to set up the chances that we usually do I think De Bruyne is capable of playing that role almost as effectively and better in some places because I think he's a better I think he's a better sort of like corner taker for one I mean I'm really pleased we've caught one finally and I think he's a better shooting in that so before we move on from Aguero because I think we seem to have moved off you know from his 
10 out of 10 performance. Let's just go through these goals really quickly and just give me uh, your, your view very quick. So there's the close range header, first of all. Need much just in the right place at the right time? He needed it because he now has a, because he got a perfect hat-trick as a result of it. Deflected goal, I, second goal. I think, I think the header was just one of, one of those brilliant Aguero goals where his movement's so good where you think he's not really focusing or concentrating on something, but he just gets himself a yard where he's so good at that. You watch him closely in a game... Don't necessarily see it on TV. If you go, if you go into matches, you'll see it where he, you think, "Oh, what's Aguero doing? He's just wandering around." And then all of a sudden, bang, he's got a goal because he's just so sharp. Anyway, goal number two, the deflected goal corner, sort of edge of the box, turn De- shot, deflected goal. Deflections are part of the game. At least he had the shot. I don't care as long as it goes in. Yep, go on that. And then probably best of the five, the chip. Would that be the best goal? Obvious five. Technically, yes, I would say. Yeah, I thought the fifth one was the best one, the tap-in, just because of the move. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then the, the only one that's left then is kind of the edge of the box curler, which won a bad shot. Oh, God, <laughs> sorry, that was brilliant as well. That was brilliant. I think the chip was slightly better, though. Yeah, the one from the edge of the box was a bit like the one against Spurs last year. It was. fourth against Spurs, where he just... Yes, I remember that. He just sort of... It's like, oh, you know, I'll just put it, I'll put it in, it's fine. I'll just shoot and score. So having done, you know, the, the, the amazing... And, and I think De Bruyne I think, had a fantastic game as well. Um, we had some scares early on. Obviously, we, we went one down. They could have been 3-1 up at half-time. And again, Joe did, Joe did his stuff again between the sticks. Yeah, he did. And, you know, it's really important... The game, oh, sorry. Moments like that can really be a turning point in games like that, where you're 1-0 down. And I'm trying to think of it... Uh, there was another game, I think in the last year or two, I really can't think what game it was, but we were 1-0 down, Hart made one hell of a save. Liverpool at home a couple of years ago, He made, we were 1-0 down, he made a great save from Coutinho and we went on to win the game 2-1. It's moments like that that can be a turning point, and obviously slightly better result against a much worse team, but you know, going in 2-0 down makes a big difference from being going in 1-0 down, and I think that really sort of egged the team on a bit. And you made the point earlier, Tuss, about this fact that you know, we're actually coming back from going behind, which we just haven't been doing yeah, ourselves. We, we so that, that's done. the big... And I think the hard thing was, you know, it was two or three brilliant saves keeping us in the game, but the margins are so small in, in Premier League, even when the team's clearly got such a gulf in class between most others, but... It only took City to be sort of 10% off their game, 5-10% off their game for Newcastle to dominate. It shows how hard it is to, to be consistent and win every week and play the way people want us to play every week because you know, we weren't very good for 40 minutes. It, it really was that chance where Hart made that great save and then I think there was a, a, one of the defenders went to tackle the ball away and ended up tackling his own man and eventually we cleared it and the switch sort of went and it, we got our game together for 5-10 minutes and got the equaliser but Really, we started the game, passing was sloppy, Silver was sloppy, and when he's sloppy, the whole team are sloppy, and we just weren't at it, and when we're not at it, again, when the teams like Newcastle are really pumped for the, for the first half, an hour, 40 minutes, it's just tough, so we're lucky we weren't two down, I think we probably still would have won the game even if we were two down, because we've got so much quality and they crumbled as soon as we scored, but yeah, two brilliant saves by Hart there. And uh, before we move on, Zabba back, good to see him starting? Good to see him. Uh, well, I thought he should start, but he was terrible. Um, yeah. But I think he'll get he'll be back and back to his best soon. But to be honest, Sanya's got the shirt, and it's Dabba should be playing second fiddle to him for the time being. Totally agree. Massive, you know, ode to Sanya recent weeks. He's played really well, and unlike. Uh, 
it's it's weird actually because with the left backs it's it's almost a case of who's playing the worst who gets to play with the right backs it really should be a, who's playing the best because Sanya I, I don't think many City fans really appreciated how good he was last season that's a fair shout because he wasn't very good but if you remember how good he was when he was at Arsenal he was one of the best right backs in the league and he really has been showing that form this season and I, I totally agree and I had a lot of arguments with people where I said look Zabaleta's shot he should be out the team it's nothing it's not because I don't like the guy but because if a player's played 65 games consecutively at right back in a demanding team with a few injuries in the middle he's obviously going to be tired and I think we didn't use Sanya properly last year he played what 10 10 starts at the most and he never played consecutively so we were seeing him every you know, once a month and people were going oh Sanya's not as good as Zabaleta he's crap but actually he's a very good defender he's very strong in the air he's quick he maybe isn't as good defender going forward as Zaba but He's a top player, and like we need to rotate those two, like we rotate our left backs. If, if you ask me, I don't think I think you need a first choice. I think there's got to be one who plays in the bigger games. But actually, we want them both to start twenty, twenty-five matches a season. And and also, we've got Sanya for free as well. That's something that has been forgotten. Yeah. That's a bloody good signing in hindsight. It was, yeah. It was good to get. There are some bargains in that squad if you look hard enough. Well, we've signed up with Labrooks to bring you some exclusive betting odds and offers that uh, we've wrangled out of them for you. You can follow the links on this show's description and our Facebook page and Twitter feed and our mini pod at the end of the week with some tips and exclusive odds for you. For starters, there's a free bet of up to £50 when you click the link and add the code LAD50. That's L-A-D-5-0. And our brand new iPhone app has been updated and is absolutely free at the iTunes store. It's a thing of beauty with all your shows there, videos, news, etc., and download it and leave us a nice review, or even a bad review, up to you. All the links are on our Facebook page, Twitter, and the details of our fantastic phone app. They're all at citypodcast.net, and of course you can join us on Facebook and Twitter, which is at citypodcast. Uh, so, Tuss, sort of moving on from sort of the specific games, a uh, bit of a time to take a, a bit of a review of the season. Uh, we, a couple of people we haven't mentioned at all, and it's kind of who's impressed and who hasn't impressed. I'm thinking of the, the new boys. There's someone actually we've not mentioned at all yet, um, and that's Raheem Sterling. Uh, not been mentioned in those two games at all. Yep. Um, I, I'll tell you what Marky got in the Sunday Times when you finish, but, but your view... Go on, tell me what that... I want to know what Marky got first. He got five from the Sunday okay. Times. Okay, I mean, obviously that means he's a complete waste of money and we should just release him at the end of the season. I mean, Sterling had four or five really good games at the start of the season. He was very good at West Brom, clearly gave the team a new dimension. He was very good at Everton. He was good against Chelsea. I mean, he had Ivanovic on toast against Chelsea. Now, he's 20. People have got to forget the fee... We can pay what we want to. We can we can pay whatever we want to pay for a player. It doesn't matter if we paid three and a half million or fifty million for him. It, it really is immaterial. Like ultimately, the twenty-year-old he's got an amazing amount of ability and potential. Now, yes, he had a bad game at Spurs, and yes, he was poor against Newcastle at the weekend. But cut him a bit of slack. I mean, he's getting used to playing from a team that finished sixth or seventh last year with low expectations and a mediocre, uh, mediocre teammates to playing with Silva, Aguero and De Bruyne. Now, it's going to take him time to get right up to speed, but in two, I reckon in a year or two's time, Sterling will be one of our best players. Now, people might say, well, you've paid all that money, he should be your best player now, but he isn't, is he? Because he's playing alongside the best striker in the world, the best centre midfielder the country's ever seen, the best attacking midfielder and De Bruyne as well. Now, He's not going to stand out yet, but there'll be a point in time where he is. Like, you know, Rooney joined United at a similar age, and he had some big moments and some big games, but he had lots of crap games in his first few years because he was still finding his feet, still getting used to being at a bigger club, a better team, playing against you know with better players. So 
we've just got to give him time like he can have some bad performances but that's so, life so Raheem Sterling Joe is going to be his best ever player Tosser just said <laughs> I'll consult the crystal ball no I'm, I'm not worried about him he's shown enough He's if you take the games he's played so far he's shown enough for me to show how good he could be for us but I'm, I'm not worried about him I think he will come good and I think that the I mean, even if it, even if say in three or four years time it finally clicks and he's one of the best players in the league and he's just destroying teams then the 49 million's worth it yeah the, like the thing is is over, over United paid don't want to use them as an example but it's the players case is when they bought Rooney at 18 for 28 million quid now it's a lot of money in those, in even that what 11 years ago United despite obviously Rooney's baggage and his wages and his transfer requests he's probably been great value for money because over a 10-11 year period they've got they've, they've, he's won a lot of trophies and he's scored a lot of goals now Sterling judging him after 6 games is just a bit rash for me you know in 10 if, if Sterling's worth his money we'll still have him in 10 years time and he'll still be one of the most exciting players in the country the thing is is He's just going to get better. There's very few examples of, of clubs spending that amount of money and the player not working out. Torres is one example, Carroll's another, but very rarely do clubs buy a player for a huge amount of money who's young and they don't work. So, personally, I'm excited to still buy him and I think he'll have lots of good games. But at 20, he probably shouldn't be starting every week. And I think now is the time maybe that they start to use him a bit more in the Navas mould where he plays 20 minutes here, 30 minutes there, and then starts three or four games yeah uh, we've mentioned a couple already so I'll, I'll gloss over this quickly in terms of Otamendi and De, De Bruyne who we've kind of talked about a little bit what about uh, Patrick Roberts do you know much about him obviously he's, he's had a, a bit of game time but uh, do you know very much about him Tuss um, I was there when he made his Fulham debut against us when we honked mm. them 5-0 a couple of years ago and I don't really remember him I remember him taking someone on I haven't seen anything of him he's very highly rated but I mean the chances of him really breaking through are low I imagine he'll go on loan next year he looks quite skillful he's got a nice left foot but also looks like he needs to bulk up a bit but again we'll take a few punts on a few of these players and hopefully some of them will work out and I don't think we paid anywhere near what they're saying we paid but I think again he'll be one that will be will do you know he'll do well in the game whether it's at City or not who knows and Joe, what about the last one we'll just touch on? Obviously, Kelechi, who's also sort of sort of broken into the first team and uh, scored a great goal at Palace, of course. Well, the goal... the goal It was a great goal. Well, it's, it's a big moment for him, I think. I, I mean, in all seriousness, I think it doesn't matter what sort of goal for him to come on the pitch for five minutes expecting to do nothing and score the winning goal in a very... in what's probably been our hardest-fought win of the season in, in the league. I think that's a big moment for him. And, you know... I know it's not much to go by, but having watched him play friendlies, yeah, they're only friendlies, but against proper teams like Liverpool, like Real Madrid, he's looked confident. He doesn't look scared of taking people on. He's a bloody good finisher. And he's only 19 years old and he's really strong and quick and everything this that makes you pretty much good in this league. He, he reminds me of um, of a young Carno, actually. Uh, skillful, quick, strong, good finisher. I think we could have some exciting things for him. And I think maybe in a year or two, he might else Boney as number two. I did have another name written down, but I'm tempted not to read it out to you, Tuss. And it says Fabian Delph. I um, I, I was I was happy when we signed Delph. To be honest, I think he's a good player. He's got great energy. He's, he's positive. He passes forward. He's not 
I'm not. I'm not. I'm not in the anti-Fernando camp personally. I don't think Fernando's been terrible, or I totally don't think he's been as bad as people make him out to be. But the one thing that annoys me about Fernando is he takes 65 touches to play it sideways. Whereas Dell's one of those people that is always looking to pass forward, which is what makes Fernandinho so brilliant. And I think in time, he'll be great for us. I think he's a good signing. He'll play, you know, in, the, in without injuries. He'd probably start 20, 25 games a season, and he's good. And he gives you good balance as well. And what about the league itself? And we talked about Europe. I mean, is it in the bag? Because obviously Chelsea are gone and shot. Stratford are never going to win it. Liverpool, mid-table side now. Arsenal won a couple of games. So They're it's, our biggest it's, threat. So would you say Arsenal are now the biggest threat to us now, Tuss? What, to the title? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I mean Chelsea still... I don't think... I think it's... There's so many problems with that club, but I, I still feel at any point they could go on a run and win 10 out of 10 because it's just in their makeup. I think United are still obviously got to be taken more seriously than Arsenal, personally, because Arsenal will continue to shoot themselves in the cock, whereas United... <laughs> probably will have less performances like they had at the weekend and we'll, you'll, United will win a lot of games where you go I don't remember them playing well I don't even remember them having a shot on target but they somehow won 2-0 so I still think it's probably going to be between City United and, and and I probably look stupid saying this now but I think Chelsea will fight, fight their way back into the title race No I disagree I, I think Arsenal are to be taken a bit more seriously I, I actually went I broke all the rules and went to the game yesterday with some friends and um they looked really good and the way they just destroyed United inside 20 minutes looked really professional and the thing that was professional about them was in the past they'd keep flying forward and they'd make mistakes and they'd give it away but once they'd scored the three goals that was it they just stopped the game let it go United dominate the second half they, they defended well you know Czech only had to make a couple of saves I think they've got to be taken a bit more seriously this season I think you're right they're, very, they're capable of bottling it and going on a shit run that takes them from point off the title to clinging on for fourth but I, th- I think this season they need to be taken a bit more seriously. Yeah, I think they'll probably still be there or thereabouts and close, but I just think when it really comes down to it, when they really need to win, they just don't They just don't have... And I think they, they, they don't have the right makeup of the squad. They've still got the same issues they had a week ago. Um, and I think, whereas the, what sets us aside from everyone else is that we've got two players for every position who are all of very good quality... And we probably won't have an injury list as bad as we've got at the moment. Whereas Arsenal don't. They've got a lot of players at the top, quite a lot of players in defence, but they've got one one defence in the field. They're probably the most important position on the on the on the pitch for them. So I still think that's going to rear its ugly head later in the season. Of course, uh, in defence of what you were saying, um, Arsenal really were playing a very poor United team, and I also don't think. I- you said take them a bit more seriously and you're right, they are good at getting those results but interestingly before the game my friend who I was going with who's an Arsenal fan was giving it all that oh you know might be a one or draw we'll be lucky to get a 2-1 I said no 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 United have not played anyone difficult this season they've played one game that challenged them that was Swansea and Eindhoven they, and Eindhoven as well in the Champions League they lost both of them don't count Liverpool's a hard game because they were dross against United I said I think you're going to batter them today and I was right all right, be- listen, before we go, Tuss, um, first managers or Premier League casualties of the season uh, with Dick Avocat and uh, Mr. Rogers from Liverpool, Sunderland Liverpool, respectively. Um, McLaren next to go to Newcastle, Mourinho in trouble at Chelsea. I don't think McLaren will go, no. I think he's a good manager, I think. I think he's just. It, Bottom of the league? Can't, yeah, find, can't buy a win? I don't- 
Letting six I know, but at I City. Don't, I, yeah, I don't think he's not actually had a particularly easy start. He's had, he's had Newcastle, Chelsea, City, and United in his first eight games. So he's also got two points. He's got. I think he can get them playing. I think they they they're lacking. They're spineless, and I think there's there's just a really bad feeling about a club which has been there probably for eighteen months. But I think he'll get them going. To be honest, I think um, Chelsea Mourinho. They're both they're worth each other. I mean, he's he's it's a poisonous, rotten club, and he's a poisonous, rotten manager. So they're welcome to each other. I imagine he'll he'll continue there, although it seems like he's desperate to get the boot. Um, Rogers, I think, was the biggest fraud in football. Who's fight, who's been sussed out? Um, he'll do well at Sunderland. Rogers, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, if you throw enough shit at the wall, eventually some will stick, and that's been his approach to managing Liverpool for the last two years, well, last 18 months since he lost Suarez, is I'll try all these different systems and hopefully one will work. Anyway, he's just a fraud, and I'm, I, I'm, but, but equally I'm sad that he's gone because he's such good value um, he's with all of his David Brentism. So, next to go, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I'm not that... that as long as we're, we're we're okay, I'm not really that bothered about what else goes on in the league, to be honest. And I think we're we're okay, Joe, aren't we? We're back on track. Ah, we'll do, won't we? Tuss, it's brilliant to have you back on, mate. Appreciate your time. Thanks for the call. And uh, Joe Doherty, no longer young Joe Doherty. We've decided, experienced. Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm one of the longest serving on this podcast. Right, yeah, good. Morning, it's a buddy. pleasure having you with us. So I'll see you, Tussie. How and old are you now, Joe? Eighteen. Yeah, it was uh, Crystal oh. Palace game, as I told everyone. On this podcast. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Listen, Ian Tussie, Joe Doherty, thank you for coming. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you all very soon. This show is brought to you in association with Lab Books. Just click the link on the description to the show, sign up, and get a free bet up to £50 when you enter the promo code LAD50. Go on, do it. This is a playback media production served to you in association with Why Not Think People. Sports Social Podcast Network.